Well, uh, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to make sense of our circumstances. Uh, a few weeks ago, I uh, told a story about some of my uh, dating adventures, and people seemed to appreciate the story, so I thought I would share another story. So uh, there was this girl that I was uh, kind of acquaintances with in the past. I didn't really know her well. I had, you know, knew of her. She knew me, but we didn't really have much of a relationship. We were acquaintances. Um, but she went to my grandmother's church, uh, the church she was going to at that time. And uh, my grandmother would periodically make comments about this particular girl. Um, so I, I guess she had been on my mind a little bit, uh, even though I didn't really know her that well. Um, and this one night I was playing some board games with some friends, and I get this text message. It says, hi, Matt. How are you? I said, uh, and it was a number I didn't recognize. So I said, who, who is this? And this person said, I'm this girl's name. And she says, well, your grandmother has been telling me all about you, and uh, she gave me uh, your number. So I thought to myself, wow, this is neat. And this girl was being really friendly, and uh, I was just texting her back and forth, and Things seemed to be going really well. Maybe she was a little bit even too friendly. And so I asked her if she wanted to go to church with me, to this college group, and maybe go for dinner beforehand. So she said yes, and it was a plan. So the next day, I, uh, I, was, you know, I was really excited about this, and I thought the stars had finally aligned, that this was God's will. God had brought this person into my life. She just contacts me out of the blue, sends me this text message. I thought, this is awesome that I have this date, and God just brings it all together. So the next day, Saturday, I texted this girl, and I didn't get any response back. So I thought, oh, she must be busy or something. And then uh, it was either Saturday night or Sunday, I'm not sure. Me and my family went to uh, this busy restaurant downtown, a chef's restaurant. And then I get a text from this girl that says this. Oh my gosh, are you at Chef's? I, I, I see you. I'm like, yeah, I'm at Chef's. Where are you? I'm looking around. I don't see her. She, and she says, well, just stand up, turn around, and wave to me. It'll be like this perfect movie moment. So I'm, I don't see her. So I'm thinking, huh, well, like, she must be here. So I get up, turn around, and just wave. And then I found out she wasn't there. In fact, she didn't even exist. A friend, so-called friend of mine, had made up this little experiment, this little joke. She existed in reality, but she wasn't really texting. The reason I tell you that, that story is because in that situation, I felt like circumstances were pointing in one direction. Like this was God's plan. This was God's will. Then I found out circumstances were pointing something in a different direction. It wasn't really God's plan. Sometimes circumstances can be difficult to interpret. When we think about things that happen in our life, things like uh, winning the lottery, we think if we won the lottery, we would be very happy. It would greatly improve our life. Uh, Psychologists did a study about Um, people who won the lottery, and they compared them to people who became uh, paraplegic. 
and they found that the effect on their life was very marginal. The people who won the lottery were just a little bit more happy than normal people, and people who became a paraplegic were just a little bit hap or less happy than normal people. The effect on people's lives was marginal at best. Sometimes interpreting our circumstances or how they'll affect us can be difficult. And so today's message is about how God speaks through circumstances. And he does speak through circumstances, but understanding our circumstances can be difficult sometimes. And our circumstances should never be the defining aspect of our decisions. Then today I'd like to look at a few aspects of how God speaks through circumstances and hopefully get a better framework for how he does that. The first point is this. If God calls you to do something, he'll provide you with the means to do it. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we'll read from verses 7 to 9. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in front of you, or uh, it should be up on the screen in a second. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 7 says this, For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So Paul says here he longs to spend some extended time with the believers at the church in Corinth, but right now a wide door for effective evangelism has opened up for him in Ephesus. So he feels called to stay there in Ephesus and continue to preach the gospel while this door is open. So God's called him to do something, preach the gospel, and he's opened this door in Ephesus for him to do that. And Paul knew it was God's will for him to stay in Ephesus because people were getting saved. He was getting opportunities to share the gospel with a number of people. We see Paul prays for opportunities for open doors, so to speak, when he's in prison in Colossians. It says this, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So for Paul, God would open some doors and close other doors, and he would give him opportunities to preach the gospel. And the same thing is true for us as believers today. God gives us open doors or opportunities to do things. And if he's called us to do something, he'll give us the opportunity to do something. God wants you to get a new job, he'll provide the circumstances to be able to get a new job. If he wants you to get married, he'll provide you with someone to marry. If God wants you to share your faith with someone, he'll arrange an opportunity and put people in your life for you to uh, share your faith with. So if God's called you to something, he'll give you the opportunity to do that. But second, we need to realize that discerning God's will through circumstances is a clue, not an answer. Discerning God's will through circumstances is a clue, not an answer. In other words, when we look at our circumstances, it can be a clue to point us to God's will, but it can't be the defining thing that tells us what God's will is. It's difficult, I find it difficult to do a message on this topic because when we look at circumstances, it's not a clear answer of how God always speaks. Sometimes it can be puzzling. But our circumstances can be an indication or a clue of what God is calling us to do. The best illustration that I can think of is kind of the wind. If you're outside in a hurricane, you can see the effects of the wind pretty clearly. Everything's blowing around. You can see which way the wind is blowing because all the debris is flying around every which way. 
And sometimes events will happen in our life that are like a hurricane. And events will kind of line up and you'll kind of clearly see God's direction in your life right away. But sometimes it's different. Imagine you go outside and it's a really peaceful day. You look up at the trees and they're virtually not moving at all. It's completely calm. You throw up a bunch of grass to see which way the wind will blow it, but it falls down almost directly below it. Then you're standing there and you feel the movement of the wind trying to see which way it will go. And finally you get a little gust. You see, ah, this is the way that the wind is carrying. That's probably the way it is most of, in our lives. We don't feel God's directly strong, direction strongly through our circumstances. But we, see, we feel a gentle gust. And we see that where God is seeming to direct us. According to Gary Friesen in his book, Decision Making and the Will of God, Circumstances define the context of the decision and must be weighed by wisdom, not read to find God's individual worth. Will. Circumstances are a clue. They point us towards God's will, but they're not, uh, just because something happens to us doesn't uh, mean it's God's will. Uh, for example, uh, let's say I wanted to play in the NBA, the National Basketball Association. It doesn't matter how much I want to play in the, the NBA, I can't do it. I don't have the skills to do that. I don't have the height to do that. It's kind of off limits to that. God has taken that off the table for me. But let's say I was seven foot tall and I could th- shoot you know, 85% three-pointers. Then they would want me in the NBA. I'd have that opportunity. The circumstances would allow me to do that. Does, does that mean I should do that? Not necessarily, but it provides the context. It defines the context of the decision, and we need to weigh that decision with wisdom and other factors, reading God's word, praying, talking to other people to determine if it's God's will. So it provides a context or it's a clue to what direction God might be leading. Paul tells us about these open doors. We just looked at how he describes an open door for effective evangelism in Ephesus, we talk, he t- talks about in Colossians how he's praying for open doors to share the gospel. But he tells us, well, he shares in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 how sometimes an open door doesn't mean it's directly God's will. It says in 2 Corinthians 2, 12 to 13, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. So he's describing here how there was an open door for him, but he chose not to go through that door. An open door doesn't necessarily mean it's God's will. It's a clue that it could be God's will, and it defines the context of your decision. It gives you the opportunity to weigh that with wisdom and with other factors. So discerning God's will through circumstances is a clue, not an answer. It points us towards God's will. The third, sometimes God speaks through circumstances last. We're talking about discerning God's will and hearing from God. Sometimes we can look at our lives and we can see clearly God's pointing us in a certain direction. Our circumstances kind of line up. It's confirmed by prayer, by reading the scripture, by talking to other people. But other times our circumstances will align last. Remember back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. God comes to Abraham and he promises him and he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. But years pass and he doesn't even have one child with his wife Sarah because Sarah, his wife, was barren. So many years later, Sarah is 100 years old and Abraham is up there too. 
And if you look at the circumstances alone, you'd have to say, it's God's will that Abraham not have a child, that Abraham not become a great nation. But God had promised this, and then the circumstances came last. The circumstances aligned with God's will last. In the New Testament, Lazarus, Jesus' friend, dies, and Jesus takes his sweet time to get there. And it would appear from the circumstances that it was God's will that Lazarus would remain dead. But Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And the circumstances line up last with God's will. Just because your circumstances don't line up doesn't necessarily mean that God isn't calling you to do something. In regards to planning this church, I remember the, church, the circumstances were what came last. In the initial stages, the circumstances didn't line up. We didn't have uh, any people, didn't have money, uh, didn't have a place to meet. But after me and my family kind of stepped out in faith, the circumstances started to line up. We found a place to meet. We got a small group of people who committed to help start the church. And then God confirmed that uh, with those circumstances when they aligned. And oftentimes we can see how God worked through our circumstances afterwards, in retrospect. We all have things in our life that have happened to us, and we don't know in the moment while they're hap- why they are happening to us. And some of those things, we might never know why they happen. It's all in God's sovereign will. But sometimes we can look back on things that happened in our life and realize that God was preparing us for something. I look back in my life, and uh, when I was in the seminary, I was just looking for a job. Um, and I applied to work at media services. I didn't have any experience in working at media services. I told the person who was uh, interviewing me, they're like, well, I know how to work an iPod. Um, and so for some reason, the guy hired me, and I don't know why he hired me, because everybody else who I worked with was a lot more qualified than I was. Um, but I see that, I, I, for me, it was just a job. But then when I started uh, the church here, I used all of that experience to uh, work with the sound equipment. And now if something's wrong, it helps me to troubleshoot and those kind of things. And in that moment, I didn't see what God was doing. It was just a job for me, but I see God working through that. And that happens in our life sometimes. We might not see it in the moment, but as God goes forward, we see that God is working his plan and using things for his glory. So that's the third point. The fourth point, opposition does not mean that something is not God's will. Opposition doesn't mean that something is not God's will. We see in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 that we read just a few minutes ago, it says, a wide door for effective work has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. In our culture, it seems like those two statements uh, are opposing things. When we think about an open door, uh, sometimes well-meaning Christians give the impression that something is God's will, then you'll kind of float along and you won't have to put any effort forward to accomplish God's will. That if something is in God's plan, then everything will work out right and everything will go smoothly. And while that's a wonderful idea and there's a part of that that resonates with us, that makes sense to us, it's not true, it's not what the scripture teaches. People who are doing God's will sometimes face the most opposition of anybody. Imagine... If you were the devil, who would you harass more? Would you harass people who are out in the world, who are living like the world? He already has those people. Would he harass people who, are, who go to church, who are decent people, who, but who don't know Christ, who don't apply Christ to their lives, who aren't making an impact for his kingdom? No, the people that he would 
uh, go after would be the people who are doing his will, the people who are making an impact for the kingdom. Those are the people that he doesn't have, and those are the people he wants to thwart and make ineffective. Opposition doesn't mean that something isn't God's will. A number of years ago, a famous politician uh, delivered a speech. I'd like to read to you some of the criticism of that speech. <coughs> the Harrisburg Patriot derided this speech as uh, silly remarks. The New York World uh, accused this speaker of gross ignorance, uh, of willful misstatement. The Democratic-leaning Chicago Times observed, the cheek of every American must tingle with shame as he reads the silly, flat, and dishwatery utterances of of the man who has has to be pointed out to intelligent foreigners as the President of the United States. Some foreign newspapers also joined the criticism. The Times of London commented, the ceremony was rendered ludicrous by some of the sallies of the four president. This was the criticism that was uh, leveled against one of the most famous speeches ever to be given, the Gettysburg Address. In 2013, the New York Times said of this uh, speech, that this speech had the power to do what words are rarely able to do, invoke an eloquent silence. The same article says this, there is an overpowering immediacy in these plain words. This famous speech, one of the most famous speeches in American history, the Gettysburg Address, when it first was given, it was met by criticism, by opposition. Imagine if the Apostle Paul was driven by his circumstances and his circumstances alone. He becomes a Christian, and he goes and he wants to preach the gospel, but people, the the Christians don't trust him because previously he had persecuted Christians. So that happens, they don't really trust him all that much, and they well, if they don't trust me, how can I become a missionary? How can I preach the gospel? It must not be in God's will. He faced his first beating. Well, I guess God didn't call me to do this because if he called me to do this, I wouldn't be experiencing this uh, persecution. He's put in prison. Surely God couldn't call me to do this if he put me in prison. He faced opposition from other Christians, from the Judaizers, from uh, even Peter. God must not have been calling me to do this. If, if all, these opposi- all this opposition is coming against me, imagine if the Apostle Paul was driven by his circumstances. He never would have been the person who wrote uh, a good portion of the New Testament. Opposition doesn't mean that God that hasn't called you to do something necessarily. Finally, the word of Christ is more powerful than your circumstances. For some of us, when we talk about how God speaks to us through circumstances, when you think about your circumstances, you think to yourself, how could I have ever gone so wrong? Because you, when you look at your life, the only thing you think God could be communicating through your circumstances is that he doesn't care about you. Maybe you've experienced a great amount of suffering, a great amount of pain, and because of your circumstances, you feel as if God doesn't care. The truth is God does care for you despite your circumstances. The fact that you're suffering doesn't necessarily mean that you're being punished. It signifies we live in a fallen world, a broken world. 
theologian John Stott described the miserable conditions of millions of people who lived in shanty towns in Africa and Asia, the burritas of Latin America, and the favelas of Brazil. He tells a story about an imaginary poor person from the slums of Brazil who climbs 2,310 feet up to the mountain to the colossal statue of Christ that towers over Rio de Janeiro. It's called the Christ of Curvado. Many of you have probably seen uh, pictures of this. That's a you know, picture of Christ with his arms outstretched, I believe, uh, over uh, the valley there. After the difficult climb, the poor man finally reaches Jesus, and he says this, I've climbed up to meet you, Christ, from the filthy confined quarters down there to put before you most respectfully these considerations. There are 900,000 of us down there in the slums of that splendid city. And do you, do you remain at Corvado, surrounded by divine glory? Go down there to the favelas. Don't stay away from us. Live among us and give us new faith in you and in the Father. Stott asks, what would Christ say in response to such an entreaty? Would he not say in the suffering of the cross, I did come down to live among you, and I live among you still. Then Stott adds, we have to learn to climb the hill called Calvary, and from that vantage point survey all life's tragedies. The cross does not solve the problem of suffering, but it supplies the essential perspective from which to look at it. Sometimes we picture God lounging, perhaps dozing in some celestial deck chair while the hungry millions starve to death. It is this terrible character culture of God which the cross smashes to smithereens. No matter what we're facing in our life, no matter what our circumstances tell us, we can look at the cross and know that God loves us. That he loves us deeply despite our circumstances, despite what we might face in our life. And that's the ultimate message to us, that God loves us. But the cross not only tells us about that God cares for our suffering, but the resurrection shows us that God will one day renew and restore all things. Wrongs will be made right. Tears will be wiped away. And Christ will have the final word over all circumstances. He will make all things right. So how can we sum up the message for today? It's uh, doing a message on how God speaks through circumstances was, like I said, difficult because it's not as clear-cut as how God speaks through Scripture and through some other means. But what can we learn about circumstances and how God speaks through it? And how can we sum up the message for today? I think we could sum it up this way. Occasionally, God screams to us through our circumstances. Sometimes God whispers to us in our circumstances. And always Christ promises to renew our circumstances. Occasionally God screams to us through circumstances. Sometimes God whispers to us in our circumstances. And always Christ promises to renew our circumstances. So where are you today? Are you in one of those three places? Number one is... God kind of screaming in your circumstances. Has he lined things up in your life where you can see clearly through your circumstances, through prayer, through scripture reading, through talking to other people, that God is leading you in a certain direction? If that's the case, walk forward in obedience. But for others of us, maybe God is whispering in our circumstances. Maybe he's given us opportunities, different options, open doors, And maybe today we need to investigate those opportunities. Pray about those opportunities. Read God's word. Talk to other believers. Use the God-given wisdom that he's given us 
to determine if those open doors are placed are doors that we should go through. Others of us are experiencing difficulty. And when we look at our circumstances, maybe all that we can see is darkness. Maybe when we look at our circumstances, all of our circumstances are just kind of hazy. When we think about the, how does God speak through circumstance, and you look at your circumstance, you're like, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't see anything God is doing in my life. Maybe you need to be reminded today of the promise that God's going to renew our circumstances one day. He's going to have the final word over our circumstances. Despite the difficulties and the sufferings that we might face, he's going to make all things new for those of us who are believers in Christ. Let's pray.